2: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee. In terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Hello, welcome to Rob Ryan Red, the Wrexham podcast brought to you by Red 10 People Development. Two massive games, four huge points. Wrexham are closer to the line but we're not over it yet. I sense a theme there. Myself and Naif are back from MK Dons. We defeated Notts County as well. Yeah, Naif, we wanted four points probably from the two games that, that came and, and we got them.
3: Yeah, I've done four games in four nights or four days. I am exhausted, actually. Uh, MK Dons was the trip to end all trips. It was... Yeah, let's start with Notts County then quickly. Notts County summed up both teams, I thought. I thought we took the chances when they arrived. Stephen Fletcher shows his immense value. Notts County have a lot of the ball and often don't do a lot with it. Um, And, you know, Wrexham have ridden their luck in recent games. Notts County does hit David McGoldrick's hand, but again, that's fortuitous. Arthur makes some great saves. You know, That one in the first couple of minutes where he saves from Langstaff is... Is a huge save, and even though it's straight at him, uh, and then you go on to MK Dons. Arthur makes another, you know, a few other huge saves, and then the one that did it go over the line? Did it not? We'll never know properly, will we? But four points, uh, and you add those to the three we got against Sutton. Uh, things are looking up, mate.
2: Certainly, I agree with you there. I think we we did the job on lots, can't we? We 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 played the way we had to do. Let them have the ball. Play to our strengths. I think against MK Dons as well. We called it last week on the pod someone like Luke Young deserves to start a game. We'll we'll go into a bit more sort of in-depth analysis. But what myself and Nave did is we were on the train back from Milton Keynes on on Tuesday night. We are recording this on the Wednesdays as usual. And we had some time to kill. We were... I mean, I was sort of on a come down from a hangover given I'd started drinking at 1pm with the Manchester Reds. It turned into a 12-hour away day for me. 1pm to 1am. That's when I rocked back up and i have been working since 8am, so... I know it's not too boohoo, but I am just absolutely depleted right now. So we thought, let's try save some time. And I'm not sure why, but we recorded a tiny, is it a three, four minute segment? We, this is our post match verdicts from the train. We've just left Macclesfield Station, about to get into Stockport, as you'll hear at the end. And this is what we thought immediately after the match on Tuesday night. So now, if this could age horribly, I've had the brainwave of giving ourselves a, a match report, maybe a bit of a summary of our day from MK Dons. We're currently on the train, just left Macclesfield Station, heading back towards Manchester Piccadilly. Wrexham, obviously, as you'll know by now, drawing with MK Dons. Uh, it's a real difficult one, isn't it? Because part of me was, beforehand, I would have taken the point. First half, at the end of the first half, I wanted three points. When they went down to ten men, I was desperate for three points. Then when we went down to ten men, I would have taken the point myself. Yeah, I well, I said one all didn't I, at the start, which obviously
3: uh, was correct in the end. But it was a weird game, a very weird game. Um, both teams playing without the handbrake on. Neither had you know we didn't have George Evans, we didn't have Tommy McGon, didn't really have anyone to put a foot on the ball. Um, Luke Young, you know, I banged the drum all the time. And I thought he was great. Um, I thought I thought we had a lot of good performances, and I think you know I'm going back on this train now thinking, well, I went to Accrington, we were rubbish. You went to Walsall, we were rubbish there I um, forget Blackburn But you know there's other games I've been to Away from Wimbledon At the beginning of the season I thought we were pretty average there Played well tonight f- For the most part It was just a weird game Marriott's probably got a score He's probably got to score Penalty on Palmer at the end Maybe, I need to see it back I haven't got any signal to check it A concord, we've got away We won. So uh, a lot's happened I'm on the train thinking We've got a point away at MK Dons We've got 14 games to go Two more away games now. Then we'll have seven at home and five away. I
2: mean, I'll, I'll take that if we're still in the top three with seven at home and five away. We are on the train, as we as we've said four times. Yeah. There, I think the we train. we are literally on the train right now, uh, running down the clock. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. It's really difficult to to be level headed after a game sometimes, and it's so once we're actually recording this tomorrow. I'm interested to see how much my opinions change. Right now, I'm thinking. Yeah, you know, well, I,
3: it feels like an opportunity a little bit missed, doesn't it? I, you can't. It's it's a good point, and that's my main take. And yeah, let's see how we've aged
2: once I've slept on it. But it does feel like the get there's games this season where Bradford, you know, and, and- I was going to say Bradford. This reminds me exactly of Bradford, where we've gone away somewhere. MK Dons didn't really offer much. They didn't really have a star player. They didn't particularly trouble us that much. Of course, the Conqueror makes up one save in the first half. He then scores the own goal. that's not given the red card for them I need to see again as well because that might have been harsh I'm not sure about that Boyle's red card I can't really complain with I think he was sort of exposed by the system like you said without O'Connor and, and Evans that's, that's maybe just what what happens really so yeah I just feel like I mean you, you've got to also take back and I know we've changed so much as a club but just from a sort of anecdotal point of view I did go I I, I remember working out at the time when we started the podcast I think it had been like 3 or 4 years where I'd been to about 20 away games and I hadn't seen his win 1 I hadn't seen Rexham win away from home in about 3 years so maybe MK Don's away ain't that bad a point is it? It's just, I mean, they're 5th on the table and we were saying on last week's podcast next up is not counting MK Don's two of the toughest teams we've played all season we've taken 4 points from that so we can't be whining can we?
3: No, and they, yeah, I think their last defeat at home in the league was the end of September, the so start of October, um, this February. So they don't lose at home very often, but yeah, they weren't great. And you know what? We're third, a point off Mansfield, two points off top. I think, or two or three points off the top. It going into March, you know, the end of February. I've got two more games now, but I think if you're looking to future, me future you, I think we're going to wake up thinking solid point. We'll take that. We have played a lot worse on the road we played better but it's a good point and a weird
2: game at a weird venue um at a weird point in the season so i just say look look onwards now i guess the other final point on that is you you'd almost say that's our toughest away game of the season left out of the way i know cruise could be really difficult but it could almost all be done by then yeah. it, they might even have dropped away we might already be in a in an assailable sort of point by then so yeah, it's the running looks tough because we've still got to play Mansfield and Stockport at home. And, of course, like we said, we've still got to go to, uh, go to Crewe as well. But that is one of the biggest hurdles now out of the way, isn't it? As we, we're arriving in Stockport, that seems like a good place to end, doesn't it? Stockport. We-, and we are approaching Stockport, aren't we? Three points behind. So, yeah, we will see you uh, later in the podcast. Nay, have your opinions changed then? Now that we've had time to watch the, the highlights back. I mean, what sticks in my mind is there's that Marriott miss in the second half. We had the goal. Did it go in or not? We'll get onto that in a second. There were shouts for a Palmer penalty towards the end. And there was the potential red card on Andy Cannon as well. The more I think about it, I would have been very happy with a point beforehand. Wanted the three points when it got into halftime because I thought MK Dons were terrible. But one, now that I've watched it back, it was very end-to-end. It was very gung And I think a draw is a fair result and, and a good point.
3: I mean, I called 1-1 beforehand uh, to to you and James. I just felt like a score draw was probably the most likely outcome. I did think, that they would play in a different way, uh, MK Dons. I thought they would dominate the ball. I thought they would be kind of Notts County 2.0. No, that wasn't the case. And I don't know if it was just where we were so high up. It's really interesting as well that MK Dons put all the away fans right at the top, try and bury the noise as much as possible um, because of the pitiful home support. But, yeah, we were right at the top. And just the the perspective you get of the match from up there, it is like a completely different viewpoint. You can see the tactics Um, almost from like a bird's eye view perspective. So it was really interesting. The pitch did feel very, very wide and it did suit the wide players. I I, I really liked seeing Mendy and McLean together. I thought that was really interesting. We've been calling for that. James McLean, you know, giving Elliot Lee a breather and he's not really lit it up away from home recently. So you couldn't really argue uh, on that one, Young and Cannon. But overall, mate, when when I woke up this morning, I kind of thought, you know what? It was a chaotic game. With some dreadful calls, I think, on both sides from the referee, I don't think the referee covered himself in much glory for either team. You know the referee's not done well when both teams feel aggrieved at the decision making. Um, but I think we've played a lot worse than that on the road, and so I was quite happy. I thought that was a
2: decent away performance and a decent point. What did you make of Milton Keynes? Metropolis, isn't it? I mean, it's got every you talk about franchise football, it's got every franchise you can think of in the car park, hasn't it? It's. I had been there once before um,
3: during a COVID season, and so there was nobody there then. There wasn't many more here, uh, to be honest, last night. I think it was the was highest 10s. It was the of highest tens... Tens of 10s in the season, but it was still about one third full. It was It was, was 11,000, wasn't it? So it was less than they were watching Wrexham against Notts County a few days prior. Um, and there were about 1,100 Wrexham fans there. I think. Was it 1,100 or 1,200, something like that, Wrexham fans? Uh, who made great noise, and I know people who are watching the stream were saying that they could hear the Wrexham lot. Uh, loud and proud even though we were right at the top yeah it's a strange old place isn't it it's a cracking stadium um just they they don't get anywhere near filling it and it's very very strange i I asked you you know they must have built that with a purpose for a a tournament or england were trying to get a tournament because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise um but overall with no soul the bowl with no soul i mean very nice to look at but inside you know very very soulless um and, you know, why on earth you would stick the away fan. Imagine some of the, you know, and no, I don't want to play the attendance police, but, you know, not everyone is bringing 11, 1200 to Milton Keynes on a Tuesday night. It does seem farcical that you'd even bother opening that top tier for two, 300 if it was that, or, or if it was even less than that.
2: Yeah. yeah, I think it is one of those things, though, where I talk about sort of home advantages in football and I I think, you know, as a home team, you've got every right to put the away fans in the worst p- possible place just so they don't give spur their team on. I also think that, have I spoke about this on the podcast before? It's It's one of my radical rule changes for football. But I basically think get rid of the coin toss. And if a team's got home advantage, they choose which way they're kicking. Because I think over the course of the season, that evens out anyway, you know. 38 home games, what you'd play 23 home games, wreck kick towards the tech end, second half. Sorry, sorry, new coppers there. And, you know, you go to an away game and the home team has that, that advantage. I, I just think those, that's the way that football should be, really. I know that's completely off tangent, but I think home teams should get advantage of which way they want to kick because, you know, it's their place. Um, and I think that's the same for the, for the, from the away point of view. Look, I love away days where we get a proper allocation, we, we're well catered for, and you get a great full end to yourself. But I think, you know, if you can use that to your advantage and really just silence the away crowd, why would you not do that? Like it's it's shithousery, but I don't mind it really. I think that's what football has to be at times. Like MK Dons don't want they don't have many friends in football, do they? They're not going to be trying to make them either. Do you know what I mean? They know what they are. And if they can use in a weird way that solar stadium to their advantage, that's what they need to do. Well, it didn't really go to their advantage. It started, I thought we started brilliantly. You know, we went with the
3: same back three that team as we were on the train going in. Uh, initial thoughts on that team, Rich, because it was kind of giving me that Coventry vibe. But but even more confusion this time around. It was um, an interesting parky selection.
2: Well, my thinking is that the more I disagree with a team, the better we play. If right. if we pick the team I want to see, we don't win matches. But it seems like almost every time that. Parky pulls one of these sort of masterclasses out and he he drops everyone you can think of and some obscure player comes in. We play quite well. I still think the selection was was wrong at MK Dons. I just feel that I mean I get why Dolby plays because he's probably got a, a better long-term future at the club than Ollie Palmer. But in terms of short term, I think you just got to play your best players. I think, you know, I I think Marriott looked okay. He clearly just needs a goal to get up and running. The back three was never gonna change. We'll get onto Will Boyle's red card. I think he was let down by the system at that point because we were so stretched. Luke Young misses a tackle midfield, O'Connell misses a tackle. Boyle has to he has to make a challenge. Or he has to at least do something because they could easily take a goal then. So I, I, we were never going to change the keeper, never going to change the the back three. We talked about midfield. We said last week, Luke Young is made for games when you're out of possession. He's made for those games. He breaks play brilliantly. We saw that set piece delivery for the goal. He should have set up Marriott with that slide tackle, which should have been a goal as well. I got why he po- played Bolton over Barnett. I think Barnett's the better player right now. I was intrigued by the midfield selection. I thought McLean was good centrally. and I, I understand why he played the front two he played. But for myself, I just think Palmer is a better footballer than Dolby, and like you might be playing the long game in that Dolby's got a future. You've committed in him, but the short term is you've got to play Ollie Palmer. So I get I get the lineup, but doesn't mean I agree with it.
3: Now I said to on last week's podcast that I felt like Barney and Bolton were fairly interchangeable. You know, they've both got rapid pace, and right now there's I don't think either have really established themselves. Bolton had those two assists at Sutton and Barney played well, I thought specifically in that second half um, when he nullified Jody Jones with the help of James Jones, they doubled up really well on him and and kept him to next to nothing uh, in that second half. And so I felt like, you know, it was would have been fair enough for either of, of, either of them to start. Bolton coming in didn't surprise me. I, I thought that would be the case that they would keep chopping and changing. He's an interesting one though, Rich, because he's rapid. You know, there were moments, particularly in that first half, where he did just sort of shimmy to the byline, burst a pace and try and get across and was winning his corners. I want to say it was him who won us the corner that led to the first goal. I can't really remember, and I haven't got the highlights in front of me. But he was very, very rapid down that side. But you do have to question right now the final ball, his final delivery. There was, in the second half, there were so many occasions right in front of us where Either it wasn't getting off the ground the, the delivery or it wasn't getting beyond the first man and and as I said, I still think Barnett and Bolton are a fairly interchangeable. I don't think either's nailed down that right wing back spot.
2: No, yeah. I mean, I joked last week about him sort of I'd love, love to see him and Adrian Chislovich in a foot race. It felt like we were watching Adrian Chizlovich a bit on on Tuesday night because, you know, he's got that raw electric pace. He drew a few fouls just because he had that burst of pace. He could take the heavy touch. And there's always an asset. There's always a role for a player like that, a specialist in your team, someone who's just got that pace because it's so hard to, to defend against. Yeah, he's got to work on his, on his um, final third delivery. And we said when he signed, look, I spoke to Cy, our chief man city writer. And like he said, he thought Luke Bolton was one of the least likely to make it a city, but one of the most likely to have a career in the game. There's a reason he's a League Two player. I still have a little bit of skepticism about what Bolton and Marrett's role could be if we did get promoted. I think, you know, Luke Bolton, he's very young. He's still got a lot to, to learn. And I think playing in this Rexham team, he'll, he, he will get up to speed. I think you've also got to look at the fact that, you know, Bolton's going to be playing with a different strike force every week. So he's still learning what his teammates want. Some of them will want it on the floor, some of them want it up high. He's still just adjusting. So I'm, I'm not trying to get too over the top in, in terms of him at the moment. And yeah, I, I'm just, I'm still just torn on a lot of players, and I begrudgingly, you know, I'm, I'm back in the Luke Young fan club. Am, am I allowed back in? Have I been yeah. banned for life? I mean, uh, you, he, see, you can
3: you can get your membership card back, mate. We're we're, we're
2: glad to have you back. It's been a long time coming. What me? are the what are the perks? I mean, set piece delivery. We get passion. I mean, I thought I I do feel that choosing that was the the sort of perfect Luke Young performance. And like I said to you during this game, that for everything good he does, he almost does something bad. And there's certain games where he can cater for that. I mean, he gets the assist. He should get another assist for the slide tackle. Some of his passing was a bit off at times. Like I said, in the build up to the boil goal, he misses a tackle in midfield, that you know, could end that attack there and, and you know, stop him getting sent off. Um, I just feel that, like I said, in, in games where you're not meant to break teams, opponents down then Luke Young has a role to play. And you could see what what was maybe the problem for Rex on Tuesday night was when it got to the sort of last 15, 20 minutes, Luke Young hasn't played 90 minutes for ages. So he was was flagging. Andy Cannon's played so much football lately that he was flagging. And we just didn't have a central midfielder to come on. I know Jordan was going to come on, but then we got the red card. So that stopped him coming on. And we've been dealt a tough hand because we've got a lot of injuries. You know, Evans, O'Connor, Jones, all out. They would all ordinarily be playing. But you do just wonder who that first reserve is if if those injury continues to go up, sort of continue in the next few weeks. Yeah, on on the injury front, that is exactly what I was thinking last
3: night. That if anything had happened to Andy Cannon or to Luke Young, you know who are you left with? I, I like Jordan a lot. I've said before I think he's got a moment in him before the end of the season, a big one. But you, you cannot ask him to anchor a midfield. You haven't got O'Connor. Could you know? Would you be down to Ben Toza to sit in front of the, the you know, sit in front of the defense players as kind of defensive midfielder? But what I'm saying is, you haven't got many options left. You know, James. You can't be asking a James McLean to to sit in front of the the defense. You know, there there aren't that many options, and so I could see why they were chasing Lindsay from Rotherham in the in the January window. But I just want to, you know, and I don't need much encouragement to give Luke Young praise. But he went to—he basically went to sleep on that transfer deadline day, probably not knowing if he was going to be in the 22. You know, that Lindsay deal went right up until the end; they were pushing for, and he was probably sat there thinking, if this deal goes through, I'm probably not going to be in that 22 because he was—he was on the cusp as it was, and so he deserves an immense amount of credit for not only just getting his head down and sticking with it that he's come back and delivered some real captain's performances, came on against Sutton, changed the game. I felt like with Palmer and Mullin, he was really, really good there. You know, didn't get the nod against Notts County, did he? But then, you know, came on at the very end, did his job. And at Milton Keynes, you know, set the tone early with that. It was a slide tackle that really set the tone early, which is what he does, reminding me of that tackle he made at Coventry in the final stage, which got a big roar. Corner, you know, straight off the training ground, that one, James McLean near post. It's a brilliant delivery. Worked on time and time again. He offers you so much from corners. He deserves an immense amount of credit. 250 appearances as your two-time player of the year, two-time goal of the season winner. He doesn't get enough. I think he's going to get his flowers now because of the injuries and how well he's playing, but he deserves more. And uh, I'm I'm really
2: glad he's getting them now. There's also that moment. It's not just his set-piece delivery. There was that moment, I think... Bolton cut the ball back to him and he played just the most delicious ball across the six-yard box and someone should have been on the end of it to to get, get a goal, really. Uh, again, I think it is just using these players in the right situations. I, I think every player obviously has a use, but it's how you use them. And, you know, you, like we said, I think the next run of games maybe will suit him. But you look at like Forest Green next Tuesday night, I wouldn't say that's a Luke Young game. I'd say that it's these games where you're not going to have much of the ball. You need to do a job on them. They're the sort of games where Luke Young still has a key role to play in this Wrexham side. So it's about just taking a step back, not getting too carried away, but he's clearly got value. And yeah, he, he deserves a lot of credit because it must be so so tough to be travelling to these away days, not being involved, missing you know, kids' birthday parties and stuff, missing commitments. I know he's a footballer at the end of the day, but you're going up and down the country, you're not being involved. You looks like you're never going to play for the club again. And in the space of a week, you're playing what three appearances that are all crucial in three massive games. And once again, if Wrexham get promoted this season, Luke Young will be an unsung hero of that because he's done his job when he's needed to to be. It shows the character he is, what a good person he is, because it's so easy to kick up a fuss. We've seen Wrexham players who play every week whinge about playing time, whinge when they're not on the pitch. Luke Young, to to go from what he's had and to have such a key role to then being a periphery figure, to stay that motivated, that fits still. And to come in and do a job, fair play to him. Fair play.
3: I, I'm just happy that look. I, I still think on the summer that will be his. You know, that will be the end, the closing of his book, the closing of his Wrexham book, the end of the final chapter. But you want it to. He deserve. He deserves to go out with you know the best possible exit, and that is playing games. That is lifting if rex can win the league lifter trophy or 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 guide us into to league one and and everyone would say thank you so much for everything you've done two-time promotion winner two-time player of the year you know clubman of the year and all that sort of stuff an exemplary pro that every player we've we've spoken to that's left the club or has come in speaks so highly of him even though he isn't the most you know he's not ranting and raving and going around the dressing room and shaking sense into the lads he just shows you what you need to do and yes there were moments at Milton Keynes like there were with other players you're talking about the the boil red card Rich I mean Max makes the overlap for Barney that gives him too much ground to make up going the other way once the the ball's in transition you know Connell I thought played really well and I thought the back three started well but even that Dan Kemp goal showed that a quick bit of passing and suddenly you can be carved open so we're not perfect um we weren't perfect in midfield. We weren't perfect in defence. We weren't perfect, definitely, up front. But in that midfield, what I saw there, if that's the midfield, we play again on Saturday. if George Evans isn't fit. And if uh, James Jones isn't fit, and we have got Andy Cannon, we have got Luke Young and James McLean, I'm more than happy to go to Gillingham with, with that three. I think they've got a lot in terms of passing. They've got a lot in terms of tenacity. What they probably don't have is that lockpick if you, if for want of a better phrase they maybe don't quite have that jordan davis elliot lee knack of you know unpicking the lock uh, when teams are going to sit in and and make it difficult for you
0: Away
2: days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with muck delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Some very important podcast news as well, Nate, that I've been meaning to bring up for a week or two. Chris Lightfoot. Where are you? Because you won the Hypnotic Rex and 3rd <laughs> shirt competition. We obviously played in the 3rd shirt on Tuesday night at MK Dons. Chris Lightfoot, if you're listening to the podcast, go on YouTube, check your messages, check your notifications. You won Hypnotic, the band who supplied the music for the podcast. You won their competition to, for the 3rd shirt. You've got that. You've got a bottle opener, some other goodies in, in that goodie bag as well. But you've not claimed it and we can't find you. We can't find you on socials. We've been trying to track you down. So Chris Lightfoot, <laughs> if, you're, if you're listening, first of all, go to YouTube, check your notifications. If you have no luck there, email us, at redditgmail.com, because Hypnotic are desperate. They're desperate to give away this football shirt, but they can't. And the warning is: if you don't claim it, it's getting redrawn.
3: Rich, I I think we're going to have about fifty five million Chris Lightfoots in our inbox uh, next week. So we we want the real Chris Lightfoot to please stand up, basically. Um, but yeah, if you ha- if you, if you have listened to, it, I know Chris Lightfoot said that he had heard hypnotic on uh, the Triple R podcast. So hopefully, you're listening,
2: Chris. And yeah, there's a prize waiting to be claimed. Naif. Back to the football then. The big moments from MK Dons: the red card, the stamp, the goal. I mean, where do we stand on all of them? I think before we get into it ourselves, the goal is the most important one. We put we've been tweeting about it on Rob Brown Red. I know that uh, there's been a lot of. I think the I think Rexham have just tweeted sort of they've sort of mocked Mike Williamson's quotes after the game um, themselves. They've sent a tweet saying, "Look at the white bit" and a, and a clip of the goal. Uh, I'm still torn on it, you know? I'm still torn. I'm I'm not 100% sure across the line. We asked our our Twitter, our ex-followers. Uh, there was still an hour to go in the poll at the time of recording. 62% of our followers think it was a goal. Do you agree with them?
3: I, I, it's, it's close. You know, it is millimeters. I think it is in. I think I, I just would want to... If it was the other way around, I would be screaming that that's in. And... I I think it was, but you know what? You ride your luck over the course of a season. We got away with one at Sutton. That's a, a blatant handball on James McLean. that should have been a penalty to Sutton. It's a correct decision to rule out the McGoldrick handball. I don't know why people are crying about that. That is a handball. Uh, and this one was a goal, but you know, you ride your luck. We should have had a penalty, and I, and I think it was a stamp on Andy Cannon. So, you know, Dean Lewington wouldn't have even been on the pitch for the boil, uh, for the, um, you know, subsequent red card later if he'd have been sent off with that cannon stamp. So things even itself out. I, I was agree with a couple of big decisions. Yes, that one is very painful for MK Dons fans because you, you feel you've scored a legitimate goal and it's not counted, and that would have been the winning goal. But that, that, those are the breaks. We're in League Two. You're not going to get perfect decision making all the time. And, you know, that Bradford penalty, Rich. The other week we were moaning about that, saying that Moen had one similar that, that didn't get given and we ended up losing to Bradford. So, you know, these things even themselves out. It's annoying if you're on the wrong end of it, but yes, I do think it's in. I totally understand people that don't think it is. It's very, very tough. And Rich, if we need a million replays to decide, then how could the ref give it? Or how could the liner give it in in real time?
2: Yeah, well, ultimately it wasn't a goal because it wasn't given. It was one all final score. Uh, I just don't, for, for me personally, I just think we get so uh, maybe over, uh, just perspective and the, the way that I mean, one of the things is when you sort of see these, there's a really good viral video. It's a really simple one where it's like in someone's kitchen and he lies, he just, I think we need to tweet this. Uh, I've seen like it. A piece of, he I've puts down like it. a piece of tape in his kitchen, puts a ball on it and the ball from five meters away looks clearly over the line. And then he walks over in one shot, puts his camera over and it's on the line. You know, it's the same when people take corners. From the stand, it looks like the ball is always out of the quadrant. And I know that there's that dorking clip this week, which disproves me, but it always looks like it's out of that little... That is it a trident? Is it a quadrant? I don't know right. it actually is not the quadrant? Right, right. And it always looks like the ball's over that and illegal. But if you won't go up and stand over the ball, it is over the line. So, I, d- I mean, I'm not too bothered about it. it. It wasn't a goal. The game finished one all. Get on with it. Deal with it. There's been... Every team has been, you know, on the wrong end of decisions of football. They do kind of even themselves out. Dare we say, dare we
3: bring up the bootlegger Kidderminster Harriers? You know, the most famous ghost
2: goal of all? Yeah, potentially. I mean, I'd say if you haven't seen it, search for it, but also, I'm not even going to say there were different times. It wasn't really acceptable back then, the, the commentary on it, but, you know. Yeah, I think Wrexham have had their fair share of bad luck in the past. These things happen. Just get on with it. They scored one goal. We scored one goal. Draw is the fair result. You know, you can always have whataboutery in, in football and bring out a, a bunch of different incidents. Yeah. Um, Although so Mike, think, Williams, think... Mike
3: Williamson didn't agree, though. He basically said that, you know, Wrexham's momentum to try and climb the leagues is influencing these officials, mate. That's what he was saying. He was He was sort of talking hush-hush brown envelopes. I'm not sure... What the FA? or What Rexham will make make of those comments? Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, we're obviously climbing the league by getting Will Boyle sent off. Just but Will Boyle's redemption arc's been so good that we need to make it look like he's uh, he's not getting sort of do you mean like he's not having some sort of unfair advantage? Because it just makes no sense. It is just absolute lunacy for Mike Williamson to say that the the football league want us to get promoted. Why would they want to do that? What what? It just makes no sense whatsoever. It's absolutely insane. So I always respected Mike Williamson. I, I thought he was, he was great at Gateshead what he did. I always kind of liked him as a footballer, but that is just nuts, mate. It's absolutely nuts. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but I think, you know, all in all, a point, a fair result. And I'm happy to move on, I guess. now, if, As we'll get on to in a minute, we now need to win the next two.
3: Yeah, and that well, the next one will definitely be without Will Boyle. Um, and before we quickly get on to the next two, the the red card, that that's caused some debate as well, Rich. I saw Mark Crichton, ex-Rex and Defender, really unhappy that Boyle actually went in and made a challenge, wanted Boyle to to show him the line, try and show him to the corner. Personally, I don't think Boyle had the pace to go with him. So I felt like he his, his body positioning isn't great. I'll, get, I'll give you that. His, his body positioning isn't great. He is the last man. O'Connell's not going to get back. The striker would have just gone past him. Does he have to dive in? It's easy, you know, it's it's a Mark Crichton, I've got a lot of respect for Crichton. He he played for Wrexham at centre back, so he knows the position better than I do. Maybe he didn't need to, to dive in, but I, I I do think he was, you know, left on an island, really, Boyle. I really do. I d I don't yeah. think you know, the, the the Newport one was unlucky because it's like the follow through got him sent off. This one you know, maybe he should have, with the benefit of hindsight, it's 2020, 20, isn't it? Maybe he should have come off when, we were, when they were down to 10 men and he was on a yellow already. Um, but to be honest, if it wasn't Boyle, O'Connell could have gone. It, You know, I think any of them in that position, maybe only Max would have had the pace probably to show him wide, show him to the line. So... Yeah, I, it's a failure
2: yeah. in the system as much as the individual for me. Like I said, Luke Young misses the tackle, but we can't criticise Luke Young because the fan club's up and running again. <laughs> O'Connell was class against Notts County, so we can't have a bad word said about him. Will Boyle, you know, he's been the comedy character all season, so let's throw him under the bus again. It's a mistimed tackle. It's poor. It's annoying that he's been sent off again. I, I was more annoyed with the first yellow card, not the second one. The first one is a needless sort of arm he puts towards the defender's head when they're challenging for a ball. Um, so I think the the first yellow was more infuriating for me as a fan to watch because it was absolutely needless and they were going nowhere from it. Like I said, I think the second one is just a, a failure in the system. We'd overcommitted, we got caught out and that happens. Um, so yeah, you know, like I said, Mike Williamson's sort of theory was, was just torn apart there. So it, it made no sense. And yeah, for me, I'm just I'm intrigued as well, Nath. What do you do defensively um, against Gillingham now? Who who comes in for him? You, you,
3: you definitely play Bentoza. You, you're going to have to, and you're probably going to have to move Max to the left and put O'Connell on the right. I think that's. I don't actually know what other options we've got. What are the alternatives to that? I I would go back to Barnett, and I would stick with Mendy and McLean. I'd, I'd be tempted to do that. I'd be tempted to play Mendy and McLean. I I, I don't know what other options you got.
2: I don't know what other options you got, Rich. Well, yeah, let us know what team you'd use to pick. Maybe we'll put out a graphic on Thursday or Friday, asking for your team and, and the selection you'd go for against Gillingham. Nathan, speaking of Gillingham. We're recording this before you've actually spoken to them, so this could age horribly as well, but we're hoping <laughs> we're about to insert our Gillingham preview.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm about to go on to a Gillingham. we were speaking before I'm going on a Gillingham podcast, and I hope they're going to give me five minutes to to talk about Gillingham and what's happened there, because Neil Harris started the season with Gillingham. He's now ended up back at Millwall you know, weird, uh, in a weird comeback round. Um yeah, strange, strange season for Gillingham. Very, very strange season. They've they've struggled for goals, but they're they're still hanging about in that you know. And if you look at the table, that race for the final playoff spot is one of the most exciting in the football league. You know, of any of the leagues, it's really you can go from something like seventh to fifteenth, and I think they're separated by three points. It's, it's mental. Um, so Gillingham are firmly in that mix. They are still dreaming of the playoffs. Uh, so hopefully this doesn't age horribly. But here is my chat to T at Gillingham. Right, we did our podcast, didn't we? You have just heard from Rich saying there that uh, will I get a Gillingham preview or will I not get a Gillingham preview? I have got a Gillingham preview. Uh, Matt from Jills in the Blood TV. Go watch their stuff because I did a fabulous, uh, I'm sure Matt will agree, uh, preview with them uh, to tee up the game. So you can see if I'm talking nonsense about Wrexham over there. But here we're talking about Gillingham. What can we learn about Gillingham? Wrexham's away tour continues. MK Dons on Tuesday, wasn't it? That was a one-all draw. Onto Priestfield uh, on Saturday. I know there's about 1,600 of you heading down there. That'll be a fun trip to Kent uh, on a Saturday afternoon. But the question is, what Gillingham are we going to be seeing? Because at the start of the season, Gillingham were one of those teams that, I think I I said said to Matt on one of Gab Sutton shows that, you know, when Neil Harris and things are looking good and maybe they don't score enough goals. But, you know, now we're seeing a under different management you know different players have come and gone it's been a funny old season and yet you could still get the playoffs Matt
0: we could yeah um, yeah I think a funny old season is probably the best way to describe it it's um, it's weird sitting here and, and we're outside the playoffs on goal difference yet we've got a minus eight goal difference and we're averaging less than a goal scored per game it's, it's absolutely ridiculous and I think someone's just tweeted I've just seen on social media that says if Walsall win their game in hand. They're currently 16th. They go above us and we're eighth. Such is the ridiculous nature of this playoff scramble. Um, yeah, I think it's going to go to the wire. Um, am I convinced we're going to be in the top seven? Absolutely not.
3: <laughs> so I, I think I recall you, you, you were fairly critical. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. But I think you're fairly critical of the decision to, to part with Harris when the club did. It seemed... an interesting decision at the time you know I I wasn't around Gillingham so I don't know the ins and outs I'm sure you know far more than me it's Stephen Clements now Harris going back to Millwall it's
0: yeah just saying that's just been announced uh, I'm going to repeat the
3: phrase I'm I'm going to repeat it funny old situation for a funny old season that
0: yeah I I tweeted earlier today in jest and got absolutely pelted from some of the fan base about I was um, that I'm still clinging on to Neil Harris even though he's been gone for three months but it's um. Like you say, it's a funny old world and it's a funny old season because he was deemed not good enough to get us promoted out of this division and he's somehow been promoted twice in five months without actually winning that many football matches. But that's the nature of football. Um, but yes, all jokes aside, I, I didn't get the timing of the sacking when it happened. We were four points off top and one point off automatic promotion when when the axe was um, was dropped, so to speak. And um, I think if you look at the gap to, to those two positions now, it's a lot bigger and... Um, have we seen a great deal of change in how we play and, and an improvement in results? I don't think so. I think Stephen Clements' is, is win percentage is, is less than what Neil Harris was. Um, but I can sit here and say that I think the sacking was wrong and still support the current man in charge. I think some people struggle with that concept. I could be critical of decisions that have been made, but it doesn't mean that I'm not going to turn up every week and back Stephen Clements and the boys and, uh, and get behind them for 90 minutes. Um, but yeah, I... I've Been fairly vocal and um, I've not seen anything to change my mind yet.
3: So, the Stephen Clements Gillingham, I mean, he was thrown right in at the deep end. His first league game was away at Wrexham. (laughs) Yeah, nice easy start. Many teams, (laughs) yeah, you know, a a a place where not many teams come and get anything. Um, How has it played out? Has there been a shift in the style of play? I, I saw something at the time that maybe. Gillingham couldn't play how he wanted to play and he's had to adapt to the players at his disposal. It looks different now, you know, seeing that team, seeing that lineup against Stockport, a solid point against Stockport at home. was um, it Walker and Clark up to, up front? You've got Johnny Williams in a, in a three, very interesting to Wrexham fans, given his Wales connections. Um, what is Stephen Clements, Gillingham like?
0: It's a good question. We got told that there was going to be a massive change of direction and, um, Again, that's a phrase that I keep coming back to because I don't think we've seen it. We pass the ball a bit more, we keep it a bit more, but where do you keep it? Are you hurting teams if you're keeping the ball on the edge of your own D or on the halfway line? For me, no. Um, Are we scoring loads more? No. Um, Are we winning more football matches? No. Have I seen signs that it is improving and Stephen Clements is starting to put his stamp on things? Absolutely. Have I seen it consistently enough? absolutely not. So you've got to give Stephen Clements time. And again, it comes back to the timing of the decision because you've said it and you're an outsider. You don't know what's going on at Gillingham like I do and other Gilles fans do. You put so much pressure on Stephen Clements when you sack him, Nathan, because you're basically saying you've got to be in the top seven at worst to be an improvement on the manager that you're just replacing. And, and that's a big ask for someone coming in who's getting his first gig as a number one. So I don't think that's helped. I'll be honest, I don't think the the owner, Brad Gallinson, has helped and you know very well about American, Canadian owners, that type of thing. It's um, it's well documented. Brad Gallinson tweeted after we'd beaten Charlton in the Cup at the start of December, Clemball, and um, I think it come back and bit him on the arse a little bit. Um, but I love the f- right. enthusiasm of Brad and he's been absolutely brilliant for the football club, much like Rob and Ryan have been for your football club. They've been an absolute breath of fresh air. And if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you previewing this game because we'd be in the National League, 100%. Um, But I just think sometimes he needs to curb his enthusiasm and just pick his moments, Brad. Um, But there's 13 games to go. We're still in touch. It's still in our hands because we've got to play a lot of teams in and around us in the table. And I'll get beyond them for every single one of them games.
3: If Gillingham are to go up... Mm -hmm. You'll need to score goals. That's a very basic. Absolutely, yeah. There. But it's but it, it, but it's one of the things I've looked at Gillingham from an outsider, and I think you've got players that on paper I I think should be scoring a lot more goals than they do. You know, Macaulay Bond I thought was somebody that was just going to go in, rip it up, and and score a lot of goals. We knew Gillingham were kind of sniffing around Johnson, Clark, Harris, Peterborough. That would have been an unbelievable sign. I know Rex McKean as well. Ollie Palmer. There were some whispers, wasn't there, about that that maybe that could have happened. You've got Ollie Hawkins. You've got um, Jaden Clark started against Stockport.
0: And- Jaden Clark's and not Walker, a striker, though, so that was Jay- that was a weird one for us. We couldn't quite understand that when we saw the lineup Tuesday night. We thought it might be Josh Walker up front, and then like almost Johnny Williams and Jaden Clark as sort of two wide tens. But it wasn't. Cle- right. Clements played him right up front, but he's not a striker by trade. Jaden Clark, so I didn't quite understand that. We had Ashley Nadison on the bench. Penny for his thoughts. He's an actual striker by trade. He's not been in form, I get that. He's not scored a goal since August, unfortunately. He's had injury problems and a, a massive lack of form and confidence. But for me, I'd have put Nadison in because it says you trust him still. But um, Stephen Clements is the manager and that's why he's paid to make decisions and that's why we sit and just talk about these things on podcasts.
3: <laughs> but it, it, it does feel like it's that end of the pitch. Absolutely. You kept Especially at the beginning of the season, you kept your, your defence, your keeper, I like... Mm-hmm. Your back five is, is, is solid. It's very serviceable at this level. It just feels like chances are hard to come by. Was it one, one shot on target against Stockport? I know they didn't have much either. I think either, it was one each, yeah. It certainly was a does, film it, does it goes feel like
0: straight
3: to DVD. Week, it does feel like week to week, Gillian creates so few chances that these strikers, that they're not clinical enough to take the ones that do come up. So it's an interesting one. Wrexham coming at the weekend, it would be a massive boost for you if you did have Ollie Hawkins back.
0: Absolutely, yeah. He's, he's, he's going to be massive to how we play. I think when Stephen Clements first took over, he thought he was going to come in and he's got Premier League and, and the Championship coaching background and thought that, you know, four three three fashionable, play through the thirds and, and, and rip teams open that way. I think he quickly learnt that you might need a target, man. You might need a focal point and you, you might just have to get wide and sling it into the box to be effective. And, and we've done that. And in fairness... Aside from the last two blanks, Stockport and Newport, I think before that we'd scored in eight goals, eight games running and there'd been a three at Notts County. There'd been two against Swindon. I think there'd been games where we should have scored more. We should have had a couple more at Notts County. And like I say, Swindon, we had two disallowed, one off the underside of the bar. So it was going the right way. So but that just sums up our season. When you feel like you're making progress, it then always seems like two steps back and, and the last two games have felt like that, albeit the Stockport point is a decent point in isolation
3: let's let's do two quick fire uh, questions then to finish us off then johnny williams what what's that been like because there was all that story in the summer that that he was in a hotel room paid for by bradford and then suddenly he ended up at Gillingham. and uh, how has the move gone for him
0: uh, i think i think johnny would be honest enough to say he's probably not been as good as he can be um again like us we've seen flashes from johnny when he's been very very good and i like him and i think the 3412 traditionally suits him a bit better because you can play him in that role between the strikers and the midfield and let him flit about and, and get into little pockets of space. But you have to look at numbers and stats as well. And I think it's, it's one goal and one direct assist all season in all competitions. And for a player of, of Johnny Williams' calibre, that's that's probably not good enough. But he's, he's not the only one. Um, so, yeah, again, probably similar to us as a whole. It always feels like one or two steps forward and then one or two steps back, unfortunately.
3: So, as I said, lots going down. There's about 1,600 going. There'll be mm-hmm. more watching uh, stateside on the stream. G- give us an unsung here, or give us somebody that maybe Wrexham fans won't see on the assists and the goals charts, and maybe someone that could be really, really key to the game on Saturday. Ethan
0: Coleman, 100%. Plays in front of that back three, just a shield, leggy, rangey, gets about the pitch where he can use it. He's not expansive. He's not going to start getting it on the halfway line in the centre circle and pinging it over the, the fullback's head and that type of thing. But he's just one of them that. If you're not seeing him, you know he's having a good game. Just does all the dirty work, all the unseen work. Very rarely drops below 7 out of 10. And I think if you asked 100 Jules fans at the moment, 95 say he's player of the season.
3: And as I said, I did uh, a much longer chat uh, with Matt over on his channel. We gave our score predictions there, uh, and I know you you you're racing to get to to three thousand subscribers. There's lots of Rexham fans, I know. There's plenty listening to this, uh, so I'm sure you lot can help Matt uh, get over the line. And if we're sailing off into the sunset into into League One, it'd be worth keeping an eye on. That's on it, those yeah. Keep your League Two fix exactly. That's
0: fine, absolutely. Or we might <laughs> just come and join you, but we never know yet. Appreciate that, Well, hopefully <laughs> that doesn't
3: get. Hopefully that hopefully that doesn't get boosted on Saturday. Uh, you can get our score predictions over on there, and uh, yeah, may the best team win.
2: Now, if that worked and all was well, then we've had a great Gillingham I can't believe there. they said that, Nath. I yeah. cannot believe they said that. That was disgusting. That is disrespectful. <laughs> talk. I mean, Mike Williamson was one thing, but for him to say that is an absolute disgrace. Um, oh,
3: God. Well, you look, Gillingham, I've been there before as well. I ended up going there for an FA Cup game and I was in the away end with Hartlepool. It was like a kind of thing for work Are on the okay? road. It was, very, it was a very strange occasion. You did, was, you did Hartlepool away? at Gillingham for yeah, work very odd it, I, I don't think we've got time to go into it it's very very strange and it was not a great game either um but safe travels to all the fans that are going down there I, I will not be among them sadly but um hopefully we get the win down there and then it's Tuesday then it's Forest Green. Rich. then it's a game that uh, when we when it was originally scheduled to be played looked very very different a prospect to the one it does now
2: Absolutely. Of course, they were Troy Deeney's Forest Green back then. He's subsequently been sacked. He's been replaced now. And yeah, we have we've got in the can a chat for Forest <laughs> Green. We've definitely got a preview because I did this earlier in the day myself. We did speak to him before that rearranged match. It's Josh Evans, who is the BBC Gloucester summariser for Forest Green Rovers. And here is what he had to say ahead of next week, next Tuesday's trip to Forest Green. So Josh, Wrexham finally making that rearranged trip to the new lawn on Tuesday. What is the mood like at Forest Green? Is there hope of survival yet? Uh, I think last Tuesday away at Barrow gave them a little bit of optimism.
4: Got into Saturday and it was kind of a bit of a bolt back down to earth, if you know what I mean. But uh, Crawley were good on the day and I don't think Forest Green really deserved anything from it. One One of the poorer performances under Steve Cottrell so far, but having put in so much energy on the Tuesday night. It was quite a quick turnaround. They didn't get home until 4 o'clock on the Wednesday morning and then suddenly you're straight back into another game. It was just a bit of a bridge too far, if you know what I mean. And Going into having a week off, it's probably going to really
2: benefit them. Of course, last time Wrexham were meant to face Forest Green, it was Troy Deeney's Forest Green. A lot has changed since then. Are you surprised that he's not in charge by now, or did you think that it was always gonna be a bit a bit of a short lived tenure? Um, I don't think he thought it was gonna be short lived. I think he kind of thought at the at the
4: time it was maybe too soon in terms of his managerial career, but um, it was it was there for him to take. So I think he had to he had to go for it. Um what we did see is is actually a change in, in tactics and I think he had a bit of an impact at, at that point. Um but yeah the four match ban was a problem for for the club and they couldn't really see past that um obviously the results weren't necessarily going in the right direction for him either got close in a couple of games don't get me
2: wrong but um it was it was short and sweet wasn't it um, what have the supporters made of the managerial change there Are they more behind Cottrell?
4: yeah i think there's there's optimism within within the, uh, the fan base i think he's got a lot of experience under his belt already, I think he's nearing 900 games in in management. So having that sort of experience right now is, is going to really benefit the club. Um, he also sees it as a bit of a, a long term project as well. It's not just come in for the season, do a bit, and then and then go. I think he is he's confident that he can keep them up, even given the position, six points adrift, still games to play. And I think that's that's part of what Cottrell is thinking and the fans. Are on board with that. There's 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 optimism at the moment.
2: It just needs to then turn into belief with a couple of couple of wins. I like you said that I think Wrexham and Forest Green both look at the table and say, look, we've got a game in hand. But this is the game in hand for Wrexham, It could mean a four point cushion on four for Forest Green. Like you said, it could mean just within three points of Grimsby potentially on what goes ahead this weekend. Of course, do you think that Forest Green have? I have a hope I mean the worst home record in League 2 this season they've taken 9 points in total but I think most Rexham fans are still very pessimistic given that you know it's not it's not long ago that Forest Green away was one of the tougher games you could have played in the National League
4: yeah I think it will be a very tough one because the home record like you said it has been pretty poor this campaign I think it's 10 defeats out of 15 or, or something similar to that and um, it's it's not an easy game by any means, still gotta to go to Wrexham as well. So it's it's not easy by any means for Forest Green. Um, but at the same time you've got something to fight for, haven't you? If there's there's nothing worse than it's probably best towards the end of the season playing a team in towards the mid table who have got less to play for. Um, but everyone's fighting for something. Wrexham the same. It should make for a competitive game. I think a bit of pessimism within the the Forest Green fan base of, of whether we can pick up anything, but you're at home. Interesting to see how it goes. They've got to try and, and be as combative as they can against a, a tough Wrexham side. I think who you probably will be favourites in that game.
2: Yeah, I'm looking through the Forest Green squad list now. I mean, I guess the player who stands out the most from a, a Welsh point of view certainly is Christian Deutsch, who's come back from, from Scotland as well. Is he the, the star man very much for... For this Forest Green team? I think he's very important. He, he leads the line in a way that
4: helps Matty Stevens as well alongside him. Uh, it's been a, a key this season. They haven't really scored enough goals. And albeit Christian Dodge hasn't necessarily scored lots of goals he, so far. He is going to be that impact, if you know what I mean. And he's going to be that, that focal point up front that they're going to always be able to go to. He's He's going to be a, a really key man towards the back end of the season. And... Cottrell really, really likes him and knows his physical presence is going to be beneficial for Forest Green and and just benefit everybody in the team. His his pressing's good, the, the way, how he aggresses in the team as well, like going for, for the long balls and, and just competing for every ball. I think he wants that kind
2: of competitive edge from the whole team as well. Obviously, I think Wrexham fans have spoken a lot about the possibility of ever bringing in Premier League youngsters um, from my own sort of knowledge looking at that Forest Green team they've got Charlie McCann and Max Oyedele both United uh, previously have they has, has there been sort of a clear golfing class of those two can you tell they've come from a much higher division or have they struggled to to adapt to Forest Green I think what you would say is their natural
4: abilities are probably suited to being higher up so there's in League 2 it's been so competitive like you're probably aware in the, in the National League as well so competitive, it's so almost aggressive in the way that the styles of play are. That players that when they do come down are less suited to that. I think Charlie McCann's very technical and he's very good with the ball, but probably lacks that physical element that you have to put some alongside him, like Osadebe, who who has got that powerful, he has got that, that driving run about him and, and goes into every tackle. That probably benefits being alongside Charlie McCann. And Maxi hasn't necessarily had too much opportunity so far. Um, he actually got subbed on and subbed off on, in the game on, on Saturday. Cottrell wants a bit more from him in terms of creative output, I think, and whether we'll see too much of him, I, I don't know, to be honest. hasn't really had the opportunity so far and still games to go to the back end of the season to yeah.
2: make an impact. Obviously, Richard Keogh, another player, vastly experienced, who's in that Forest Green team. Who, who are the the players that Wrexham fans? Like I said, I think the maybe the old school ones of us will always be pessimistic about any game, really, which is sort of a running joke on the podcast. But what what who do you see being Forest Green's biggest threat against us then on, on Tuesday night? I think threat wise, it, yeah, it's probably going to be Christian
4: Doidge or, or Matty Stevens and Carl McAllister as well. He, he has. He has good and, and not so good games and when he is on, he has got a lot of technical ability and enough to, to threaten any team. Um, but yeah, like you said, Richard Keough is is crucial for the, for the defence, uh, Ryan Innes from, from set pieces as well. So there are a few avenues to, to Forest Green's play that if they just up their quality a little bit, it, it real, will really benefit them. I think I actually ran through the stats and they are underperforming on their XG. So, if the chances are there, it is just the being clinical. I know we've, we're have we a long way through the season already, and you could probably say, well, they haven't done it so far, but if they are creating the chances, it is just about that that quality edge in the final third, and if that is someone like Christian Doidge who can be the difference, that
2: would be so important. I guess the last two questions for you then are, what do you see happening on Tuesday night, and what do you see happening for Forest Green between now and the end of the season? I think
4: Tuesday night will be tough. I think Wrexham will be one of the teams that probably will just about get into that promotion, uh, automatic promotion spot. So it will be very, very difficult for Forest Green. But at the same time, they, it's another game that they they have to try and pick something up from because realistically being down the bottom, six points adrift at the moment, um, it could obviously change on, on Saturday and it could get a little bit tighter. But at the same time, it's very difficult to see any points necessary from that game. And it is how they, they deal with the back end of the season. Cottrell has got that edge of experience and know-how to try and get through to the end of the campaign. He's still confident that he can do it and with the game's remaining. It's about the fans being optimistic and, and then just gaining that belief. If they can put together a win or two, you, you're suddenly back in, in the groove. And, and Fans will really believe at that point. They believe that they've got a manager who can generate some sort of results and and hopefully they'll be able to get there.
2: So, Nath, they're very much still in a relegation battle. The worst home record in League 2. They've only taken nine points at home across the entire campaign. Only two wins in their last 21 matches across all competitions. But, of course, one of them came a week ago at Barrow. So, you can't be getting too carried away, I suppose. They are a poor team, though, Forest Green Rovers. And, again, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be too cocky. Yes, it might haunt us, but we really should be turning up there and just doing the job on them. We, we've got to be beating Forest Green away. We've, we've just got to. I, you know, it's, the thing is, it's
3: in our hands now. We're we're reaching the end of February. We're in the top three. Heck, we're within touching distance of top spot. Like We have a chance to do many things. We could either win the league, finish in the top three, finish in the playoffs, or flame out and, and finish outside the playoffs. All of that is still very much open for Rex. in uh, Rex's no. hands.
2: Well, if you've actually listened to Mike Williamson, there's only one thing that's happening. There, uh, okay, so right. Okay, I'm, I, I didn't Football listen to the Football League. The, the EFL will not allow us to not go up the season. Okay, got you. Well, that's great. Then happy days. Um, well, if you know, we might third... as well cancel the podcast actually because there's no uh, jeopardy anymore. Uh, uh, no,
3: well, you know, we, can we just come back at the end of April, whatever it is, after the Stockport game, and we'll just I told it
2: you so podcast by Mike Williamson. There you go. <laughs> Get Mike Williamson on. He'll,
3: uh, he'll give us all his conspiracy theories. Um, you know, it's all still very much open for Wrexham, but it's in our hands. We'd have took this if at the start of the season. You just said you had third place on the 21st of February, within touching distance of top. I'd have snapped your hand off, and I'd snap it your hand would've... off for third place at the end of the season.
2: I wonder if we have got any sort of conspiracy theory Wrexham fans out there. There must be some, just by... We're, we're massive now. So the, the percentage must be out there. Have we got any Flat Earth Wrexham fans?
3: Oh, God. I I, I don't want to name some players, but there's
2: some players with the, over the years that have had
3: various... James Hurst. Cons- yeah. The, the players that I, I will name the players. There's some yeah, that have had seen various conspiracy of, theories.
2: Uh, yeah, there's one who I quite like as a person who seems a bit... <laughs> if you check his tweets, he's he's now playing in non-league, so that should give you a hint... Um. Yeah, he's he sort of believes in one of these... I'm not I'm going to go into it. No, no, <laughs> D- don't don't go into that. We don't want lawyers on the phone. Don't go into that. Wrexham's uh, own lawyers. But,
3: uh, yeah, no, Mike Williamson's conspiracy theory. I, I think it's in our hands. Rich is what I'm trying to say. And games, respectfully, games like Milton Keynes, I think if you get a point there, that's a good point. I think it was a good point at Barrow. I think it was a good point at Mansfield. I didn't think it was a great point away at Bradford. And I wouldn't think it'd be a great point at Forest Green. You know, these are games that we come away. So we put out that thing, didn't we, saying how many points do you think we'll get over the five games? If Wrexham go and win their next two, what will that be over the five games? Um, ten points? I think it'll be ten points, won't it? Will three be win- wins and a draw. Yeah, ten. Ten. That'd be a great point. Which would
2: be amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Obviously, we've got to go do it now. Whether we do or not, you'll find out on next week's podcast. So yeah, Nate, that's all for this week's Rob Brown Red. I guess as always, if you've got anything you'd like to input, do email us, robbrinred at gmail.com, or use the contact form on our website. We are gonna have a proper mailbag episode. It's just we're playing Saturday, Tuesday for for a few weeks. So we're quite busy. We've got to talk about football instead, which is which is quite boring. <laughs> Nate, yeah. It was MK was lovely in a way. Um Let's do it again sometime.
3: Yeah, I very much enjoyed. I mean, you did make me record a podcast just so you didn't actually have to chat to me. I think you ran out of energy. You'd had your quota of uh, small talk with Nathan. So, uh, no, I very much enjoyed it, mate. I hope your head's not too sore.
2: Yeah, was it that obvious? Um, Thank you very much for tuning in wherever you are. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. That is the best way to give back to the podcast if you know a friend who likes football who particularly likes Wrexham tell him about Rob Ryan Red we're always looking to grow the podcast so we really would appreciate it if you can word of mouth if you know who Chris Lightfoot is tell him that he's got a football shirt waiting for him and yeah thank you very much for listening we'll see you again next time oh and i always forget thank you very much to Red 10 people development without you the podcast wouldn't happen thank you to hypnotic for giving chris lightfoot a t-shirt <laughs> if he wants it come get it See you again, and we'll oh see you again. See you. Thank you very much. It's Siri's just gone off. It's Siri's just Come gone off now. as well. Siri. Siri. Oh, Siri's listening to me. Um, this is a shambles. Thank off, you very mate. much. Um, yeah, just if we're here next week, we're here. Mac um, Bloomson might get us. Take care. <laughs> It's the 90th minute. All your mates are around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...